The Spotcast is brought to you by Lehigh Human Resources. If you like what you're hearing on the Spotcast, a Lehigh career could be right for you, and we're hiring. Current opportunities include administrative support, research development, admissions, advising, fundraising, and more. Learn about all of our open staff positions and apply today at go.lehigh.edu jobs. That's go.lehigh.edu jobs. Careers at Lehigh, where passion meets possibility. Welcome to Season 2 of The Spotcast. I'm Hilary Kwiatek, your host and Lehigh University's Employee Communications Specialist. The Spotcast is Lehigh University Human Resources' podcast designed to celebrate and share the stories of our staff. This season, we're focusing in particular on staff stories of the coronavirus pandemic. We'll still be learning about our colleagues' careers and life journeys but we wanted to hear from staff members whose work was significantly impacted by the events of the last year and find out how they were able to overcome obstacles to achieving their goals. We think you'll find these stories inspiring and motivating. We're excited to be back on campus at the digital audio studio in Building C on Mountaintop. So let's see who we spotted today. Our guest today is Elena Key. Chief Technology Officer at Lehigh University. Welcome, Elena. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. Um, How long have you been at Lehigh? I'm going, I came here in 2004, so it's going on about 18 years. So that's a good long while, I guess. Um, What drew you to your field? Let's talk a little bit about how you ended up in this position here at Lehigh. How did you start off at Lehigh? (laughs) Um, Prior to coming to Lehigh University, I was at Stony Brook University, and I was doing similar work. Um, I was working with faculty to uh, support them as they were looking to extend courses um, and programs to diverse learners um, and look for and extend kind of the market for different programs. And that was when you had, you know, different technologies coming on that were helping really to help us think about teaching in different ways and maybe expanding some opportunities. And so when I came to Lehigh, the College of Education was doing some really innovative things, and it was great to start there. So I uh, started under Gene Johnson, who is actually the um, manager for the college team that I started under. Gene was a librarian, so it was really great to kind of see the merged model of library and technology services here at Lehigh. Um, So, you know, I had been other places where those were very separate, and I found it to be really amazing to see those kind of things integrated as well as they had been here. Um, So it was a really supportive place. The faculty were great, um, and my colleagues were really just interested in doing and learning about all different types of things that could support, you know, students and and faculty as they were thinking about their curriculum differently and trying to, you know, maybe think about more time in the classroom and other ways to, you know, make homework available, for instance, or to use certain tools like iPads in ways that could augment or, you know, support learning outside of the classroom or, you know, moving content online or using video or audio or all those types of things. So folks were thinking about that early early 2000s, already starting to think about what the internet could 
do to change and to innovate education, things like that? Yeah, I had gotten here so that there were there had been a Clipper project, um, which had looked at some online learning. So it had done some uh, high school students and various classes. There was, I think, a college of education class, an engineering class. And I think there was some, you know, continuation of the thinking around those things, you know, how, um, you know, at that point we were using Blackboard here as our kind of learning management system. And so there was an interest in trying to, you know, have content be in a common place where students, you know, it sounds funny to say it now, <laughs> because of course you would have a learning management system. But at that time, you know, to have a place where students could go and look at the syllabus and where files could be stored in a common kind of look and feel. And all our courses could be located in the same place. And so there was, you know, a lot of energy around trying to do that to help it, you know, help make that process easier for, you know, for learning. And then also be able to introduce some more, you know, innovative things to, you know, support learning, you know, whether that be simulations or, you know, use of different software that would, you know, help somebody really get to, you know, have a hands-on or kinesthetic, you know, understanding of something. So, you know, getting to actually not just learn about it, but really interact with and, and see something in, in action. So from supporting just the College of Education, how did that transition to um, a broader mandate in your work? How did you move Yeah, so I, along? Moved, I moved from, from being the instructional technologist in that area to uh, becoming the manager for that group, that team. Um, so the, our teams have, college support teams have, library representation and computing consultant representation and instructional technology representation. And then there's also, you know, the links throughout the rest of our, you know, our, our, our organization. So enterprise systems and databases and, you know, working on admissions and working on all different things that impact, you know, every part of the kind of enterprise here. So, you know, in that role, I got to work more with colleagues across campus doing things that not just impacted teaching and learning, but really also had some logistical and um, process-oriented type work, um, which I enjoyed both. You know, so I really love working with faculty and students, but I also like seeing a process that can be improved, <laughs> um, you know, and, and maybe made a little bit more efficient or just more user-friendly for the people trying to engage with it or work with it. So... I got to, you know, meet more people across campus and work on some different task force. Um, one of the things that the precursor to the literati system, which is the, you know, portfolio system now for faculty for kind of tenure and promotion, really was, you know, the College of Ed led in that way. And, you know, they used a system to start doing portfolio assessment, in essence, for their kind of tenure and promotion you know, they were one of the first groups who were like, well, why do we have to have a binder? Why can't we think about having materials up in a way? A lot of what we do isn't as well represented on a piece of paper in a binder. And, you know, we want people to see an um, interactive heat map of something or watch a video or, you know, we want our colleagues to see our scholarship. And it isn't maybe in a one-dimensional way. Um, and so, you know, that was exciting, too, because it was early to, you know, kind of get to see how this might potentially have an impact um, and, you know, as time went on, that's a project that got absorbed by many people on campus and picked up in a, in a way. And, we, you know, it, the tool changed and the process became much broader. The stakeholders increased. But now there's a process that is digital for that um, and really has kind of, you know, changed or defined that the way in which, you know, that is captured. Um, and hopefully, you know, for every system, there are challenges. But, you know, the goal ultimately is that that becomes easier for people to maintain and, 
and not have to be a scramble at the end of their annual reviews yeah, right. or their seven, you know, their, their time um, for tenure and promotion. So, you know, so those types of projects as, as kind of I move through that. Um, when the Center for Innovation and Teaching and Learning was formed, um, I became the assistant director of that. Um, and that was like the next progression. So I had been kind of, you know, managing. Um, I also moved into managing the instructional technology team previously. So that, you know, I stayed in that role for a good amount of time. So I had the college support experience, the instructional technology experience, um, management experience. And then when the center was formed about, it's a little over six years ago now, um, you know, then I moved into that assistant director position. And so that was exciting because, you know, we were taking on, you know, looking at spaces like the one we're, we're sitting in um, that involved, you know, some renovations and some key buildings on campus and classrooms and getting to really re-envision, you know, some potentially how some spaces could be used um, for students, for everything from studying to, you know, using technology to, um, you know, experimenting and all different things. So, um, you know, getting to work with, again, you know, colleagues in, you know, research computing and colleagues in, you know, digital scholarship and colleagues in instructional technology and um, my comp computing consultant colleagues and um, all of our different areas, our library, um, and instruction and outreach librarians and, you know, who are always really key to tie, helping us tie everything together so that we can, um, you know, support our faculty. So, Yeah, I, when I think of, we call it SIDL, right? That's mm -hmm. what we call it here on campus. Um, I, I think of it as this place where, and the word innovation is in the title, obviously, but it feels like that's where all the sparks come to, to um, kind of grow into flames. Um, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality. Uh, now, you know all the things that that uh, that we see happening on campus, and the physical changes are very obvious. We are sitting in a digital recording studio. That's part of it. There are there's one button video recording capability with glass boards that faculty can use. Right there's there's all kinds of things that um, your team kind of. Uh, you know, if somebody can, comes with the spark of an idea, you kind of yeah. help, help them grow it, right? Well, and that's that's exactly the key. I mean, I think what's what's amazing is that this this campus community isn't lacking in spark, and I think we try really hard to to stoke them and help them grow. Maybe put some guardrails on them sometimes too, <laughs> but you know, we really very much want to be in that role. Like we want faculty or students. We've got, I mean, we have great ideas that come from you know our students or you know admins who say, I saw this someplace else or somebody else. You know, the one button that you mentioned was one of those things. I mean, I have. Some of my colleagues who had just said, you know, there's really no, like, thing out there we can buy. Like, we are going to have to put this together. Like, oh, that's great. Send it. Like, we'll put it all together. We'll do it. You know, so I, you know, the fact that the innovation meets just a real kind of willingness to experiment and try. And there were a lot of things we learned. We, we, we learned and failed as much as we were successful. And I think that's part of that, that innovation cycle, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna put together a space and it's gonna be perfect, or you're not gonna you necessarily put together a process and it's gonna be perfect the first time. But it's really exciting when you do put something together and you start to see, you know, a tremendous use or, you know, you know, for instance, courses that, you know, can't have everybody present at the end. But really want to have a component. So you you know you mentioned one button. Well, you could require that they schedule a time at their leisure because we have lots of open times, and they could go and do a three to five minute video 
that, you know, proves competency in something. They could use the light board and they could work out, you know, a complex math problem or build a bridge or do a, you know, a, a formula or something that, you know, kind of takes their thinking or they could diagram, you know, just a whole thought process for a story. I mean, that's the thing is it, it cuts across discipline. Um, it's, you know, it's not... Um, there are no boundaries to the technology. It's really how it can be used in, you know, whatever discipline and whatever thought process. I mean, so one of the first things, you know, that that was used for was actually a video that, you know, some track fellows did. And it was words as they reflected on, you know, some current events happening around the world. And, you know, I think for all the things that we had seen in all the videos and all the uses, you know, that wasn't the first thing that popped into our head. So it's, again, it's a perfect example of like, partnering with the stakeholders or the people and then having, you know, turning it over at some level and saying, well, you, you know, here, here's what we think this could be used for. And then letting somebody show you that, well, well, this is what we did with it. And you're like, okay, well, that, that that's great. And if that's meaningful to what you do and helps convey a point or helps support a student or helps, you know, your course now have what you feel like is, you know, maybe a way that you can formalize and end by, uh, you know, asking them to do a podcast or asking them to do a video that otherwise seemed just too overwhelming, you know, previously, or you just couldn't physically fit that into the schedule. Now they have that opportunity. And, you know, it's funny, too, I think, you know, anybody who has worked and, you know, we don't, we could talk about how much editing will happen after this, <laughs> this, right? But anybody who's worked in this, this kind of, um, you know, domain knows that, you know, to produce a good three to five minute video is hours of work. And so I think when you actually watch a student in that space, you know, toil for multiple hours to get it right, you, you, you feel like they not only had to know the content, which was, you know, a faculty member's goal, say, in assigning it, you know, they really had to be confident. They don't want to have ums and pauses and, and all those things. And they're going to go back over and over it. So at the end of the day, you know, whatever that video has come out, they've that process has yielded them an expert in whatever that you wanted them to study for that time being, you know, so that that assignment really has, you know, in, in essence, really helped get it, get to a deeper level of understanding than maybe they would have if they had, you know, done something else. And I think, you know, so sometimes it's not just that it's, it's as good as something else, it might even be better or deeper. Um, and, you know, I think that those are the sparks we're looking for. So, you know, we love when somebody comes and has a great idea and then we can help shape it and push back on it and iterate and go back and say, you know, well, what about this? Or, you know, I don't know if we could do that, but we could do this. You know, we've piloted many software that we've not used. <laughs> we've piloted many software um, that we have, you know, I, I joke, you know, six years ago, um, it's easy for me to remember because I, my daughter was born then. So that's <laughs> it's like right as the center was formed, we had 50 licenses of Zoom. So that's that's where we were six years ago, you know. Um, you know, we obviously have an enterprise license of that now, thankfully, right. <laughs> um, and it's a way different, you know, post-pandemic world. But like, it gives you that that sense of trajectory, right? Of you know, finding and putting a lot of work into looking for good tools and having lots of your you know great colleagues to work with on those things and to really test and. And toil over that and then have those things progress and start out as a few people looking at a very, you know, and, and expand and expand and expand. Um, and that, you know, just had steady progression. It's like, well, parking is going to be a little bit, you know, harder on campus. Let's think about ways, you know, that we could extend that, you know, like, could we have some meetings, you know, online? Well, hmm. Okay, you know, <laughs> like, 
Why not? You know, some of us are now at Third at News. Some of us are now up at Mountaintop. It's a big campus. It's getting around. It's not as easy as it once was. Like, for some of these check-in meetings, is it, you know? So it, it just, we already were, as our campus has been expanding and as things have changing and technologies improved, I think we, you know, before the pandemic, we were already pushing on some of those norms and thinking about ways we could think about our work differently and, you know, think about the tools and how they, what they, what they're good at and what they're not good at. And we'll we'll get put a put a pin in that, as they say, and go back to the pandemic in a minute. Um, but I want to get to uh, the next big leap, which was before the pandemic, um, we had a um, we had a voluntary retirement program happen, and we had some restructuring happen and some change. And at that time, I think was when you were appointed chief technology officer, um, and. I think that a lot of parts of the university took that period to do some serious reflection and reorganization, succession planning, really thinking about the future of their of their area of the university. And um, to me, your appointment reflected that, like that this was the right next move for LTS. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, becoming chief technology officer and what a chief technology officer is? <laughs> sure. Um, so yes, I mean, that was that we saw, we were one of the areas that, you know, we, we had a decent amount of colleagues, a large number of colleagues who took advantage of that retirement program, um, and created some opportunity, frankly, for, you know, many of us who had been here for a number of years. Um, so it was, it was both ends of the coin, right? Sad to see some colleagues go and also, you know, nice to see some opportunities arise. Um, the appointment for me, you know, was incredibly exciting, you know, humbling and exciting. Um, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time here so far at Lehigh and I've appreciated all of it. I've, you know, I, I work with great people. I've, I mean, we have a very, very talented group of people in LTS and we have a really, really, you know, smart and engaged, you know, group of colleagues across campus from, you know, faculty, staff to students and community. And so that makes it a great place to be. You know, it's it's a it's a great place when you have ideas and you have lots of people that you can you know easily you know send a message to and get on a call or meet and and have people to kind of bounce those ideas off and who are willing to, you know, maybe take on things that are you know less flashy. Or... I was going to say like docu sign. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of when you were talking about that. Less flashy, but, you know, but very productive um, and needed, you know, in many ways. So, I, I, you know, so for me, the, the transition was thinking about trying to take kind of that teaching and learning frame that I have, because I feel like innovation happens all over the university. And it certainly happens in all of our technical areas, as well as our library. So, right. So innovation is happening everywhere. And so for me, it's, you know, that's just part of where I live my head most of the day. And so it's how do we think about some of the things on an infrastructure, you know, so now I'm transitioning out of maybe my day-to-day -day being working directly with faculty and say course design or development. But now I'm thinking about, um, you know, well, how do we make virtual environments so that you can teach your course on a train, on a plane, in a, you, know, <laughs> you know, from around the world and all your students can log in and use, a, you know, a highly resource-intensive application and as if they're sitting right here in this building now and have that experience feel consistent and good 
and you can teach as if you were anywhere. So, you know, so there's some of those things that, you know, you shift the innovation in different ways because those things are happening and they're going to continue to happen now that, you know, we're transitioning to being back on campus, but we're still going to have those needs and students are still going to want to and faculty are still going to want to have the opportunities to come with some of the things that we learned. You know, we spend a lot of time developing courses and making videos and doing things and we want to be able to you know, fan that and have them, you know, still think about their courses in those ways and still be able to do some of the things that now they have the students in front of them. Well, how do we make that time the most valuable and still have those supportive other materials or things that they could use for different, you know, offering those courses in different formats or in different ways? Um, you know, so for me, the excitement of moving into the the chief technology role was just getting to kind of back up and look at things in more of a you know, you stop becoming an expert in one specific thing, which is always hard when you're somebody who likes to be very good at the things that you do. Um, and you have to be broader. And, you know, and you know, I sit in a lot of meetings where, you know, I have to learn and catch up on certain, you know, very specific details about, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm learning about, you know, 911 phone systems and very specific laws related to those things, you know. So, like, did I know about certain things about phone? Sure. You know, do, uh, you know, am I going to be an expert in every one of those areas? So you have to rely more on the people that you work with. Um, and then you also kind of get the ability, though, to see the pockets because I have a unique perspective having been in the organization and been in different areas of the organization. So you get this perspective of where there is overlap or you know, gaps or things that we could connect better on or we could rethink or the processes that just have been plaguing us and not efficient for a long period of time and that we should maybe, you know, revisit. Um, so I came into that job with kind of those, that frame, and then we had a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. How did that change what you do? Um, I mean, I think it just ramped up that, right? So I think it just took that idea, that lens that I was kind of approaching, you know, coming into that fall. So that happened at the, in August and coming into that fall, it was going to you know, take some time. And we had started to do some design thinking and, you know, we were, you know, kind of planning already, you know, my managers and other people just thinking about what we do and how we do it and maybe ways, again, about structuring and restructuring and thinking about that. So we were kind of in that, you know, space and in that lens. And then, you know, this, um, you know, kind of the fall and moving into, you know, I remember just those first couple of meetings and then, you know, realizing, you know, very quickly what this was going to become. And I think we just transitioned, you know, we transitioned quickly, but because we had made really solid, thoughtful decisions for years about things, you know, Bruce made good decisions around, you know, things about infrastructure and investment in tools, Greg, you know, and, and, and so we, we've just, you know, I think, Everybody involved in all those decisions for multiple years, you know, we really tried whatever, whatever we can, whenever budget allows or things, you know, we tried to take and be able to make the decision that was as forward thinking and allowed for as much kind of scalability or growth. There's always limits to that, right? <laughs> you know, like, um, but whenever we could, we really did try and do that. And so then I think it was just a quick kind of retooling of, okay, so what, what's going to happen, you know? On the CITL side, there was a lot of work on you know, what, what workshops are they going to offer, what support are they going to try and put in place to support faculty to make this quick transition. You know, Greg spoke about that. Um, and then you know, from my side, it was thinking about things like now we're going to have a workforce that's mostly not on campus and all the resources on campus. <laughs> so 
can we support the can the VPN, you know, so talking to our networking groups, talking to our systems engineers, like when we're the only people left here, you know, when Lori's the only person down in operations and everybody else is in here or Ryan, like, you know, what are, you know, like, can people connect and get what they need to get? Are, are systems going to stay up? Are, you know, how do we do that in a healthy way um, so that everybody can stay healthy, you know, um, but still we obviously, like many other areas on campus, couldn't not have a presence here. Um, and we also couldn't stop innovating too. So we constantly had to kind of, you know, think about our students who are going to be overseas, think about our students, you know, who are going to need to connect back, think about our students and our, our you know, we had staff, so, you know, staff, a big area who, you know, traditionally based on your job classification, maybe were not doing work from home. Right. Did not have the equipment, did right. not have, you know, Lehigh-owned equipment at home. Um, so that's that's a huge from a security perspective and from kind of a, you know, a lift of, you know, okay, now you're going to be home in your whole entire job. You know, phones, like all the phones that we use on campus and, you know, and pushing on telecom about, you know, our soft client and things like that so that, you know, we could think about things like how does the whole enterprise, you know, kind of work with us, you know, not being here. And so, you know, I think it was a – <laughs> I think Pat Farrell said this, you know, in one of the first uh, COVID meetings. He's like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be a marathon or an ultra marathon. And <laughs> I think, you know, 15 months into it, we, I think many of us were like, oh, we, you know, he was, it, it was a good statement then. It was like, yeah, an ultra marathon. It's more like the Tour de France at <laughs> this point, I think. But <laughs> that's accurate. With lots of sprints, right? Yes, like that's, exactly. That's, lots of day, day ones, day twos. And I think, you know, so we tried very hard to kind of, you know, think about things holistically and for people's experiences and to try and, you know, we were shipping things from, you know, people's, you know, front yards and dropping off equipment. And, you know, we really wanted to make sure our students were supported. So we up, we dramatically increased kind of equipment distribution because we, we didn't want any student to not be able to, you know, have a fully high experience while they were, you know, wherever they were trying to finish their degree. And the same for staff and for faculty. So we tried really hard to make sure, you know, it wasn't like somebody wasn't going to say they had to withdraw from their program because their laptop died. You know, it's like, no, just here, send that. You know, we had a lot of internet connection challenges. Mm. I mean, nowhere near probably maybe some other institutions in other places, but we certainly had people who, you know, just either for a variety of reasons had internet connection issues and, you know, we provided hotspots for that. And so I feel like, you know, you know, the university's response really was very proactive and tried hard to kind of make sure everybody had what they needed, you know, um, worked with the dean of students office and financial aid. And I mean, I think everybody... As a group, we all kind of pulled together to make sure that people had what they needed. And so, you know, from that area, it was like thinking, you know, there's the it's it moves to a much more like logistics level um, of how are we going to keep everything going and making sure that that is the best experience it can be so that, you know, real work. You know, it's one thing if you're doing that for two, three days and then when the posture is that you're going to be doing that for months. Um, and, you know, people needed to settle into their home office environment and, you know, get their, and, you know, people who worked on um, looking at your laptop, you know, a small screen who are then calling two weeks later, like, okay, I need to go get my office chair. I need my two monitors. What do you have? Where, you know, what can I get? Where can I show up and get some equipment? This sounds very familiar. <laughs> I, I didn't bring my second screen home and um, it, it was a real challenge. It really was. And so when I, when we decided to start back doing some video and some things like that, I, I decided to start coming back into the office after the initial period where we were just absolutely not allowed to come in. And having that big screen was was 
a relief. But I did come in and get my chair. Yeah. I did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these were the big things. Yeah. I think the chairs, yeah. the two monitors. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, people who are listening may not realize how quickly you did this. So I was at a conference in Florida when this all happened. Um, and it was a communications conference, you know, and, and uh, so it was amazing to be with, you know, hundreds of other communicators as the entire world started shutting down and all of our offices, people were being sent home, you know, um, uh, and, you know, I, I fire up my laptop and I see an email that the students should not come back from spring break, but it's just going to be a couple of weeks, you know. Um, but you, you, your entire group, LTS, um, had to take what was essentially, you know, a rich on-campus uh, residential university experience um, with like a thousand courses going on, right? A thousand sections of classes and and help hundreds of faculty take it virtual within just a matter of a few days. I mean, I know you probably were thinking about it a little before that. You 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 had some heads up. I mean, in January, we really started seeing the writing on the wall. But, I mean, how? How did you do that? Well, so there's certain things that, you know, so a lot of that, you know, the instructional technology team really needs to get the shout out for the, the support, um, you know, and all of, the, all of Siddle around kind of how quickly, you know, so there were a couple of pieces of that. So, you know, um, digital scholarship folks, Siddle folks, um, you know, um, classroom support folks, you know, Judd's group, like, there was this big frenzy around getting faculty equipment who were going to maybe need to be home, who wanted to um, use a document camera, who wanted, who didn't have a webcam, who didn't need, so there was that, there was a big run around that, around that time. Um, we were ordering, like everybody else, like, oh, Amazon, no more webcams, no more owls, no more, you know, so we, we were trying to, to stockpile what we could so that we could get distributed to the community. So that was a, an initial push that involved lots of people, and, you know, many of us, like, you know, quickly, you know, um, you know, Bruce and I were looking at different, we were looking at quantities of laptops dropping and knowing the supply chain would probably be impacted. And we went to some of our trusted partners, you know, B&H and others, and we're like, let's buy those 10 laptops because, and two days later, they were, they, we couldn't get them. You know, so we tried to make some very quick decisions and, you know, purchasing, I'll say, Brenda, give me some grace. We're going to put, <laughs> we're putting $30,000 on, on the one card. And, you know, and everybody was great. They came through very quickly and allowed us. And I know some institutions, they just can't get that to happen quickly. So, you know, the fact is this is, this took a lot of people making quick decisions to be able to have what we needed and then distribute it. And then from the course standpoint, so the way the registration process works right now, you know, Bobby and others, you know, all of this stuff, whether or not anybody uses a course in course site, they all get fed. And so they're there. And then we have a request process on top of that because we have some people who say teach multiple sections but only want one course site. Um, and so, but it's all there. So it was fairly easy at that point to kind of just say once, once direction was given, hey, look. We want to have this as a central repository, even if you don't typically ever use it. Students are not going to – this is not the time to have students going all around looking for, a, you know, where right. they find their their academic materials. You know, so once some of those kind of directives and Greg crafted, you know, a lot of information that went out that kind of gave some guide, guidance around these. And, you know, we tried to get some documents out on our website pretty quickly around those things. Then there was some structures in place. So it was like, okay, we're going to try and, you know, use Zoom. Obviously, we're going to try and put some stuff into – LMS at a minimum. Um, and the nice part of there's a Zoom integration through the LMS, so through Course Site. So, you know, students could log in, 
get to what they needed right there. They didn't have to, it wasn't like, I don't have the link for my class at 8 a.m. or any of those things. So we tried to kind of just make it from a faculty's perspective, like how can I possibly do this and not feel, you know, terribly overwhelmed? Um, and, you know, and like you mentioned, the workshops, I mean, those were intense. Like, you know, my colleagues were doing a tremendous amount of workshops to just kind of have, you know, how do we think about assessment in this new environment? That's a huge component of, of college is how do you assess learning? Um, how do you take tests that now right. you can't take? How do you, you know, how do I, how do I work on engagement? You know, now I'm, I, you know, and I look up at, and I'm in an auditorium, I see a hundred faces. Now I'm going to be looking at a hundred little postage stamps. So I think it was just trying to kind of Help, help faculty kind of look at a check, look at it almost from a, like a checklist format. Like, do you have these basic things set up? And then, you know, how do we kind of get past the basics? Can you connect? Do you have what you need? And then do we ha do you have access to the systems that we've set up, you know, and that you can get in? And then how do we help you then feel more comfortable in those environments to actually kind of take it beyond, you know, the basics? And, you know, I'm, I mean, I... I'm blown away by some of the courses, the quality of the courses that I saw, you know, happening this year. I mean, really amazing. I mean, the faculty in, in so many different disciplines just did a real tremendous job and, you know, even have said, you know, this, 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 this medium, though I would not have picked it <laughs> if presented, you know, if you said to me I had to teach in this way, I would have never stood up and opted to do it. But I actually think I'm really proud of the courses I taught and I think the students had a really engaged learning experience. I still miss, you know, um, coming to campus and being, you know, face to face with them, but that that from pedagogically that this really wound up being, you know, exceeded my expectations in many ways. So, so yes, that lift was quick, you know, and I think that, and then, you know, throughout kind of once that spring semester happened, there was a lot that happened over the summer too, to kind of ramp back up and say, okay, so we were a bit in that crisis mode for the spring. And now from a teaching and learning perspective, how do we really kind of think about the fall since we know we're going to move in and we're going to still be in this posture and we're still going to be at a distance like how do we and we're now we're going to have you know a subset of people on campus like how do we think about making that even better and again you know people really rose to that challenge of saying yeah no I, you know, I got through you know and yes and now I can think about how I can take it you know even you know take what I've done and build on that and make that maybe even more interactive or more dynamic um, or, you know, they were they were really happy with the effort they put in. So I think it all depended where it depended where your baseline comfort was with some of the basic tools. Right. This is very true no matter where you exercise. Like if you're, you know, somebody who runs five miles a day and we say, OK, run 20. You're like, oh, I can kind of, you know, if you're somebody who's on the couch, like you're probably going to have to. And so it's the same kind of way. If you're not somebody who is very comfortable in those that environment, there was going to be more of a basic lift and then thinking about your courses, that additional piece. And for others, it really was just they had been teaching maybe online in the summers and they were already so kind of acclimated into these environments. And it was a more of a melding of, you know, different ways they've offered courses throughout their time at Lehigh. And so they were really able to just leverage those. And I mean, I feel like what was great, too, is there were a lot of colleagues really helping other colleagues like you know, hey, I've taught this before this way, and here's a great resource. You know, I mean, Elvaic did offer some some workshops around disciplines as well as Settle, right? So that was like, you know, that was the other part was, you know, trying to get the basic kind of, you know, we offer lots of those, you know, so how do we have workshops around different tools, but then really just discipline-specific groups getting together. And so, you know, the, you know, Greg facilitated those and, you know, 
obviously a group of scientists getting together to think about how, you know, their their courses are going to function online as a different group than, you know, say, our humanists getting together and thinking about, you know, how do we move these humanities courses in that way. So I think that was valuable too. just just having, you know, having Siddle be kind of that central place to ha- bring together those faculty, have them talk about ideas and then have us have librarians and have technical people in the room, you know, for, you know, tying it back to the initial part of talking about a spark, like, it'd be great if I could do this. Well, well, I mean, well, let's think about that. You know, we we could certainly help you with that. And then we'd have people follow up based on, you know, kind of some of those conversations. So it is amazing, because when you think back on the 17 plus years, you've been here, um, everything that you had done, up until the moment that the that the world shut down was lead, it felt it feels like I mean if you look back with hindsight that it was all leading to that moment where you were like yeah we can do this because we've done all of this I think about Zoom um, I remember going to a session that you taught about Zoom at Staff Development Day I think the first Staff Development Day um, and uh, you know sitting in a room with you know fifty other staff people. And just having you explain what Zoom is, and Zoom is, you know, now ubiquitous. It's part of our, you know, culture. Um, and uh, and you know, becoming a Google classroom. I mean, a Google campus um, was another step in that that we haven't discussed. That on the staff side has been absolutely instrumental in us all being able to do our work from our bedrooms, in my case, um, or your dining room table, um, being able to share files so seamlessly, to be able to use Jamboards, to be able to use, you know, all of that, all of the pieces that go along with being a a Google campus. Um, It just seems like it was, you know, and and there you were in in your role in your new role as as chief tech- technology officer able to kind of make it happen so that's just amazing you know um we had, you know so in this year we also saw you know some things that we will keep so you know linkedin learning you know uh, you know I was just in a call yesterday with several of your colleagues around this you know so trying to extend I mean, it's always amazing when you can adopt a tool that it helps everybody you know there's there's a lot there for students for staff um, for faculty, there's course level integration pieces. You know, we have Slack, you know, on campus that has been instrumental for many areas um, throughout the pandemic. I mean, they're, that's how they're communicating, you know, daily. We added Dropbox to, you know, augment, um, you know, some of our storage options for people. So, yeah, we've we've tried really hard, you know, I, I, we, we've tried really hard to kind of continue to innovate even in the pandemic because, if anything, it just highlighted some of the gaps further or, 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 you know, brought them to the light quicker. And I think we've tried to, you know, tried to make those, you know, try to meet those demands in ways that you know, we want the campus to be able to, you know, get it what they need to get um, from anywhere. And, um, you know, I'd be remiss to not mention, too, that, you know, Banner, which is our ERP, you know, moved to the cloud during a pandemic, which is a is a big lift on any given day. It's a, it was a over a multi year project to do that, um, but you know to have you know more than you know a team of twenty people working to you know across several areas, enterprise systems, and you know including you know our networking group and our systems admin and 
and tons of our colleagues in all of the areas from the you know controller's office to admissions to enrollment management to HR, HR to, not me I will just say <laughs> to, you know, yeah, to, my uh, colleagues in HR who, who did that definitely not me I can uh, press a button I can press record here <laughs> no but I mean you know um, you know to uh, institutional you know, research and and so many others I mean there's just so many people that had to be involved in that and you know the fact that we didn't we didn't abandon it we didn't push it off we we tried to really you know kind of keep to that schedule and move it because ultimately waiting was not going to help us we had old equipment we had things that needed to move on and it was just going to you know, because we did that, now we're relooking at some of our, you know, payroll processes. We're able to move on with Lucene Experience and Ethos and all these other interesting projects that degree works and things that were able to come because we got over that hump. Had we not done that, you know, we would everything would have been pushed back. So there are things that don't necessarily get as front and center, but they're they're huge lifts and lots of people working on them. And so um and I think that's one of those things that um, sometimes you don't always see all the all the work that's happening, but it is enabling other things. And if it doesn't, it, you know, if that background work isn't being done, then the, it doesn't provide the foundation for some of the new things to come in. So, I mean, when we when human resources had to leave our little um, former radio station on uh, Broadhead, that was our building for many years, um, we made the decision to di- digitize all of our files, all of our employee files, you know, you know, decades and decades of employee files. Everything went digital, all the files. Um, if we hadn't done that two years ago, um, many of our employees would not have been able to work in this virtual environment. I mean, everything we had was digitized and accessible digitally. Um, so again, it's like those, you know, again, not very glamorous, but and somewhat tedious, right? The process of digitizing you know, tens of thousands of pieces of paper um, and making them accessible and all of that. Um, so that that just again goes to that always being in, always thinking about innovation, always thinking about the next step in the future. Um, it's really part of your role as chief technology officer. It's like, where are we going next? And you couldn't take a year off, fifteen months off of that because we were in a global pandemic, right? You couldn't just say, um, well. Well, when the pandemic's over, we'll take care of all of this. Right. Not an option. <laughs> Not an option. And I mean, you know, we wouldn't want to do that because I think it, it just, it, you know, it, would, it wouldn't have put us, you know, I think we want to come out of the pandemic just being able to think about the things that went well, think about the things that we learned and, and then try and find the post-pandemic world that takes the best of the both worlds, right? And, and, and double down on that. Um, and, That's and, what I wanted to ask you about, about, you know, we're still not out of everything, obviously, um, but what you think will change about your work as we're moving as we're moving out of this moment? Yeah, so it's it's a good question. I've been spending a lot of time trying to think about that, and we've been trying to you know think about the services. So we added a lot of services, and we're trying to think about which things should stay. You know, which things don't necessarily need to stay. Um, so I think it's a I I don't I like to add things that we can do really well. Uh, you know, so I'm not, you know, I think sometimes the hardest thing to do is to stop doing something. We're really bad at that here, though. <laughs> like ending a committee or? <laughs> well, we don't we don't want to stop. You know, we, we, you know, we have two people using something and it's right. like we don't want to. But sometimes then it, that's just one more thing that we keep doing. And so it diffuses the efforts that we could, you know, kind of rally around something that 
you know, maybe more people would use. So I think it's it's just kind of taking inventory of all those things and, you know, really evaluating the effectiveness and deciding, you know, which things we think, hey, that was we picked that up during the pandemic, but that was a that was a really good addition to our kind of suite of services or applications that we offer and we really want to keep doing that. Or, you know, now most people will be back and that's not something that we perceive as, you know, you know, clients wanting as much. Um, so I think it's it's looking at, you know, everything from, you know, how people access help, you know, beha- certain behaviors have changed, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting machines or going to client offices. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we're not out of it. So there's still health concerns and some challenges and, you know, thinking about all those things. So it's an opportunity for us to, I think I'm really trying to challenge everybody to not just not just come back and say, you know, let's just revert back to everything. I mean, I think we, we learned some things about our process that did improve and we still were able to, you know, provide really a tremendous service. I mean, my colleagues, I mean, bent over backwards to make sure everybody had what they needed. So I think that's the, the goal right now is to, to, to think about, you know, what we did, what we can maybe not do and what we should be leaning towards expanding. Um, and, you know, there were some things that we rolled out that we just didn't have the time and effort to give as much around, and as you know, in your profession, you know, like the, the marketing and the communication around it, you know, you, you kind of get it up for a very targeted group of people and you, and they're using it, but you didn't really get to tell the rest of the world as much. Um, you know, Kathy's always very good at helping support that, um, in particular with me, but, you know, just trying to, you know, extend and, you know, keep telling people we have things and um, helping them and providing more workshop support around those. So, you know, I think it's it's looking and reading a lot about, you know, how other institutions have, you know, also, you know, their lessons learned. I mean, I think for us, yeah, it's taking stock of what we did, you know, again, what was good, what was bad, um, what we, you know, where we want to be. You know, we're thinking about our spaces, you know, thinking about, you know, the flex work policy that just came out and, and thinking about, um, you know, hoteling and where people are going to be and how we can kind of really be more purposeful about the time together, um, you know, in a way that it's it's very hard when you have a, a really diligent group of people, very productive, um, you know, at home and saying, OK, come back and have them back. And, you know, what are we going to do when we're back um, that feels different than you know, us just talking to each other through a computer in two cubes next to each other. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I think we're spending a lot of time thinking about that from our own staff perspective and making that meaningful and, and wanting that to feel like, because I, you know, I, I had three conversations yesterday that moved much of my thinking on three key areas forward that were just ha- accidental, you know, and those just are not happening. So it is, you know, for every person that I run into, it's like, oh, I'm totally, fully happy. You know, I, I just do, you know, I do all my stuff. I'm very productive. But it's like you're also getting different perspectives when you are around and you are, you know, running into people that you don't see. You know, the farmer's market. I was when going I say- to say we had a five-minute conversation <laughs> at the farmer's market that moved up, moved something forward. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, so those kind of things, too, that just, you know, when you see people that you haven't seen or you, you know, you're working on a project and you see somebody or you it's like, wow, that resonated with me. And I just came out of this. And, you know, that might be useful for you to know. And so I think that, again, but, you know, thinking about what parts of that are really, you know, we're thinking about committees, you know, so some of the committees that involve, 
you know, faculty or groups of us that come from all over campus together. You know, I think we've already made decisions for the fall. Like, we're going to keep most of those online, but then try and have kind of two face-to-face you know, meetings so that we do get the parts where we're getting to kind of connect and, you know, network and catch up with each other and they're purposeful. And then if it's if we're looking at a Google Doc together on Zoom, we can, you know, do that from our offices or our other locations. Um, and it keeps the, the committee work or the project work moving forward. Um, but it also still then, you know, kind of gives us that time to get together and connect in a way that, you know, is harder over a technology. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> so as the chief technology officer, your job is to always be steeped in technology. But what are some of the things you think happen on a college campus um, in addition to those incidental hallway conversations um, that technology isn't a place where you would you would insert technology? You would tell somebody, no, that's not a place for us. This should happen, you know. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because for a technologist, I also feel like I always take the lens of, you know, my earlier part of my career, which is, you know, there's just sometimes where there are very simple, you know, when you're teaching and you can have somebody write something on an index card, you know, is it always worth a faculty member spending 10 hours to develop an online version of that when you could just have them write something on an index card? No. I mean, the, the analog does still work. And in some ways is, is just as meaningful or, I don't you know, if they don't have pens sometimes now, but, you know, the, 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 right? but the challenge is like that, that's one of those things where if the time invested in the technology becomes, you know, distracting from what the end goal is, then I think that that's you know, not necessarily where, you know, you just want to have a technological solution to have a technological solution. Um, I mean, I think where you're trying to connect with somebody um, on a personal level, I think reviews, I think, you know, where you really generally want to have people maybe present something and have ideas or have, you know, feedback. I think the nature of being online also is that we're all getting 17 alerts, um, you know, whether that's in every format, you know, um, and other things that are attention. So the good news is that, you know, we're responding to things that otherwise would be like, sorry, I've been in a meeting for two hours and I didn't get back to you. Sorry, this is a crisis. Um, You know, but the good part is that the two hours, I was probably very focused just on that thing I was doing. And so that intentionality and that connection and focus that I think, you know, we're all a little bit distracted sometimes in the the digital kind of current environment. and sometimes, you know, you get into meetings, you're like, and you could see everybody's, it's like if you actually just had 20 minutes of everybody's on a, an attention, you probably could have a more meaningful um, interaction and then just be done as opposed to trying to have that meeting be longer while everybody's trying to do their other work. Um, or you get to that point where you're like, you know, and Hillary, what do you think? It's like, well, sorry, I just, I, could you? Just back up and tell me again. I was looking at my text message (laughs) from my boss and uh, didn't hear the question. Yeah, it does focus you to be in person. And do you think that, because I feel like meetings on Zoom have been shorter, like they've gotten shorter and shorter. I wonder if that will translate when we're back to more in-person meetings to people having shorter meetings also. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always, I, I think the in-person meeting had the meeting and then the other meetings. And I think that that's the, the thing that's a little harder because invariably, you know, somebody doesn't know they 
cut the meeting off even when they did leave in a Zoom meeting or, you know, we've, had, we've all been in those. So um, I think that's the thing. So, yes, you know, maybe we'll have more intention around our meetings and a little bit structured, you know, agendas because people are like, we learned. We don't need to have – this doesn't have to be an hour just because an hour is scheduled. But, you know, then you catch up with the people around maybe more specific things that you needed to or you just get to talk to somebody and ask how they're doing and, you know, really get to see them and, you know, connect on a, on a human level as well. So, I mean, I think we don't want to lose our humanity in, in the technology. You know, I think that there are – I think just getting to come to see things in a shared experience, you know, whether that's Zollner performances or athletic events or – I mean, I think there's the shared experience piece that being on a college campus, you know, is – truly tremendous. I mean, I think our community has so many of those things. I mean, I know I'm missing those things. I think that that's um, what make, makes doing this work for a university different than doing this for a corporation, you know, is that we have those and that you can, I could walk out of my office in the library, I just moved over to the computing center and I could talk to students or I could listen to them or I can like overhear their lecture and check in, you know, I, I've been on campus most of this year. So, you know, I would, you know, sit down and talk to somebody and ask how they're going, how their experience is for the people um, that I did see. So, um, you know, I think we'll just be, we'll be, there'll be the middle that'll be awkward, you know, as people try and, you know, I know for colleagues of mine that haven't been here that are coming back, you know, that's just taking some adjustment and thinking about, you know, how that's going to look and feel for them. And, you know, they'll find what works. Um, and I think we will, we'll, we'll, it'll evolve in the same way, you know, in March, we didn't think we could possibly ever work from home or, you know, I had colleagues say, we'll be back in two weeks. And I, I never thought we'd be back in two weeks, but, um, you know, they never thought it could be a year. And now it's like, well, now you want me to come back, <laughs> right? Like, and, 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 and the same, and, and I think in a couple months, we'll be like, oh, yeah, now we're back. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like there are the human pieces. I feel like there are professional things um, where, you know, now if you have people in front of you, have them do something, you know, have them, you know, take some of the things from a good, a well-designed academic class, you know, ask your partner something, you know, get up, move around the room, you know, use the space you have. Um, and, it's, you know, because, again, I can probably see as my vision, as I get older, I could probably see better on my, you know, large Mac monitor in front of me if you're just going to share, you know, a Google Doc. Um, so if you have us all in the same space, you know, try and, you know, use that, use that time and space as, as wisely as you can. Um, and I think sometimes just updates and sharing is nice, too, just to get a sense of what people have been working on and where people have been. So I, I know I'd be interested. Um, I mean, we all try and read as much of the communications that come out from different areas. But sometimes, you know, there's a project or something you're like, oh, I'm interested. I didn't know they were working on that. And that would be really interesting to kind of connect with somebody about. So I'm missing those things. Yeah, I think I think that um, the anxiety about returning uh is there and it's real. Um, and also the um, excitement and anticipation as as people come back together as well. I think that um, in HR, we've been having more and more people start to come into the office now. And, uh, and there is an energy and an enthusiasm that um, it, it, it's there and it's very real. You can, you can really sense it. And maybe six months from now, we'll be back to the grind and it'll be different. But yeah. Um, one last question. What do you like to do in your free time? It doesn't sound like you have any free time, but no. what does Elena like to do in her free time? 
Well, I, I like traveling. So one of the things that was <laughs> one of the things that was a challenge over the last year is, you know, just getting to escape a bit. Um, no, I really enjoy traveling. Um, I enjoy the water. So, you know, beaches, lakes, um, you know, hiking, kayaking, getting outside when I can, getting away um, far away from the technology actually is my, you know, my respite. So it's, you know, um, yeah, biking. I mean, a lot of biking. I feel like COVID was the, the time to bike. It was a nice distraction, um, a little break up the day type of thing. So, If you already had a bike, because it was impossible to buy a bike it, it during was. COVID. It was. <laughs> I, I, I do. I know. I, it's amazing the things that I saw, the prices of the things people were selling, um, cleaning out, you know, um, trying to. Yes. No, I agree. There were there were lots of things. Home, home workout equipment, uh, you know, even boats and kayaks and paddle boards and all that stuff was hard to come by. So people were definitely taking to the recreate, getting away from their computers as well. So, Well, and it's just the perfect way to wrap this up to say that because, of course, you thought ahead, <laughs> you're, you're, you had been building up to that moment when you were going to be in isolation. You had your bike and you had your kayak and you, you had your equipment just like we had Zoom and we had uh, CourseSite and a Google Campus. Um, so we were all ready for the moment. Uh, and on behalf of the entire staff community, I want to thank you and your team and all of LTS for everything that you did for us because um, it truly the university kept going because of because of your team. There's just no question about that. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Well, I really appreciate it. No, this was great. Thank you for having me. about the pandemic and how you became CTO and um, lots of lots of luck to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Spotcast is a production of Lehigh University Human Resources. The podcast is recorded in Lehigh's audio recording studio in Mountaintop Building C. Special thanks to Jarrett Brown of Library and Technology Services for technical assistance. I'm Hilary Kwiatek. Join us next time to see who we spot. <laughs>